You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. You, you feel this this nervousness on the phone there? Sir, I've been trying to make an urgent phone call up there. I don't think it's something I want to do on an overseas phone. You got to make some phone calls. Hang up the phone. Prank call. Prank call. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to Packernet After Dark. This is the call-in show, the Packernet Podcast Network. If you'd like to call in, if you'd like to participate in the show, please feel free to do so. The phone number here is 608-501-0718. New callers go directly to the front of the line. We don't have any new callers today, so let's get started with Ethan. Hey, Ryan. This is Ethan from Neville, Tennessee, man. Um, sometimes I just want to call in and like mention random Packer players. Sure. Not on the team, but like from the past. Sounds good. And that one's very good, just like random guys every once in a while. So, um, Geronimo Allison. Yeah. Have a good one, man. About that guy, huh? Oh, that was, I was out. <laughs> I was kind of looking off into the distance. Uh, yeah, Geronimo was pretty cool. I, I feel like I kind of came down on him because he was one of those guys that was overhyped. You know, he kind of had that. He wasn't quite on the level of Lazard, but there was a similar thing with Lazard. Who was it? There was another guy I thought that there was a. He's definitely better than like Samori Ture. I feel like maybe if you took Lazard and you took away the blocking. They would be kind of close, maybe. But yeah, we appreciate Geronimo. You know what I mean? He helped you get over the hump a couple times, convert a couple third downs, helped us win some games, man. That's what's important. Thank you, Geronimo, for helping to make the Green Bay Packers just that much better. Hey, it's Jimmy. Hey, Jimmy. I just want to talk about defensive coordinators and not specific ones, but like the whole concept of what kind of a defense we want. Sure. This kind of... And for the record, obviously this is already done, but it's still interesting to talk about. Um, that's why I'm not skipping it. Because, you know, there's still a whole lot of theorizing and trying to think through this process. As much as we've spent a lot of time on this talking about it, it's still like a, it's a big question. And it's one of those topics, too, where I feel like I'm changing my mind a lot, which means we need to talk about it more. Um Usually you want to kind of shy away because it's like, I'm going to sound like an idiot because I say something and then I change my mind two seconds later. But that's a good thing. That means you're learning stuff. It means you don't know jack squat, you say things, and then somebody says something, it's like, oh, yeah, no. No, I've been very wrong about stuff a lot. So let's keep fleshing it out. Amen. Apply no matter when we listen to it, if we ever listen to it. But um, everybody keeps talking about, like, you know, aggressive defense versus conservative defense. Yeah. Then don't break, whatever. I don't think anybody wants, everybody wants an aggressive defense. The whole point of defense is to be aggressive. You don't want to get burnt because, but you, but that just is like being aggressive and, and, and not doing it well. Like if you're aggressive and you do it well, then you're smothering and stifling and you don't get burnt because you're playing this aggressive defense well. I think if you get burnt playing an aggressive defense, you're just not doing it well. Which is a problem. <laughs> it's not a problem of the aggressiveness. It's a problem that you're not doing it well. Um, I think like the opposite of that is sometimes conservative, but also could be viewed as just passive. Nobody wants that. Nobody wants a defense that's, you know, simply reacting and not, not acting, not being proactive and dictating. 
So I hope, you know, like I heard somebody saying, like, you get pressure with four, great. If you can't, bring five. If you can't, bring six. Like, that's the point, you know. Just bring it, get the pressure, disrupt things. Um, and if that's through, this, I mean, that should be through a combination of aggression and deception. You know, if you're simply bringing the house every time, that ain't going to work either. That's That's not smart, aggressive defense. One way to be aggressive is to be extra deceptive, you know? It's still the opposite of being passive, just throwing your same thing out there every time. Um, anyway, that's uh, all we're lacking, really, as long as we get a defense that can allow our <coughs> offense to, to, as the kids like to say, cook, we're going to be fine. Go Paco. Yeah, I mean, it's similar to what I was talking about yesterday, um, but a little bit different. I mean, you said everybody wants to be aggressive. Depends exactly what we mean. I mean, everybody wants aggressive results, right? You know, picks and sacks and hits. And I mean, every, it doesn't matter what defensive system you're running. That's what everybody wants. But there is still, you know, like, I think you could argue that press man is a more aggressive style of football, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's the best thing. You know what I mean? Um, so I, I don't know that everybody wants that. And, and even with like bringing more people, that's certainly more aggressive. But I don't always know that it's the best thing. And, and there are defensive coordinators that do shy away from that. I mean, including, you know, um, Fangio, uh, Barry. Not to say that they never do it, but it, there, there are people who are more, no, I don't want to get crazy. I want to I be real good at what we do. I want to bring four or or five or however many we're lining up with and kind of drop our guys. I want to play a little bit further off. There's there's more conservative styles. And so I think most people if 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 all things were equal, like you had a defense that gave up 10 points a game just dominant. But you also got to pick the scheme that went along with it. Most people would pick like I just want this aggressive like just getting tons of sacks and press man just because it looks cool, you know? But there is also an element of again, you, you, there has to be some element of aggression which you know, like tackling is an aggressive thing, which is part of the reason why having an overall aggressive defense, I think, is beneficial because there's kind of a crossing of the wires of like hold back, wait and react. You know, we're going to kind of hesitate, you know what I mean? And then, but also like sprint to the ball, run to the ball, rally to the ball, smash the guy, wrap him up, drive through him. I don't know how big of an issue that can be at times, but I just wonder if it's easier to just send an overall message of just freaking smash him, just get in his face, just hit him, just da 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 and, and carry that consistent message throughout. I don't know, but I wonder about it. But I also wonder if, let's just say, for example, this defense is not successful, if we're going to be hearing a lot of the exact opposite things, you know, of, of you know, this is too aggressive, and this is just reckless, and this this isn't what I wanted, and you know, we're playing too much, man, and, and, and there's no reason to be pressing quite so much. You know, it, it's I'm just wondering how much of this is just I want we're like rebellious teenagers, like everything my parents do, I'm going to do the opposite. Not because I think it's right, but just because I'm a rebellious teenager. Everything Joe Barry did was stupid, and I want to do the opposite. He's 3-4, I want to be 4-3. He's zone, I want to be man. He's too high, I want to be single high. I don't want to fall into that category, but also at the same time, like I said, I as I think about it, I just think that there are general positives, although acknowledging, you know, both can work. Obviously, there are successful 3-4 defenses. There are a ton of successful 2-high defenses. In fact, I would venture to guess most. You know, again, Dallas, I know, is 3-high. I think the 49ers, I don't know. They at least were. I don't know if they still are. 
which therefore would mean the Jets also, I would assume. But again, I don't know. I haven't really looked into coverages too much. But there's there's all kinds of stuff that works. And I just don't want to be a contrarian for the sake of being a contrarian either. Hey, Ryan. It's me, Pedro, the guy from Brazil. What's up? So I was thinking here about my last call when I, uh, I asked what were your preference on the defensive style for it to look for coordinators. Sure. And then something hit me. I don't know if you still have that SIS. I do. Um, subscription. But we saw the defense, the, the, the defense playing different on the last few games, you know, last handful of games. So did we change something scheme-wise? Did we play more um, or less nickel? Did we rush more the uh, the, the quarterbacks and more guys? Were we playing more men than coverage? Um, I don't know. So I was wondering if you still have that data to see if the fact that Russell or Chad he was going to participate more on the defense made some adjustments because if he did and if we did made adjustments, maybe that can give us a clue of what kind of defense he's looking for. So, yeah, that's it. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Well, the, the, one of the problems with SIS and PFF2 uh, is their player stats, not team stats. And if I could change anything, it would be, please incorporate some team stuff. Now, there might be some other sites that kind of show, um, you know, formations and things. I know there's some for offense. I don't know about defense. seems like there's a lot more uh, charting offense than defense out there. But, I mean, I could go through and, I mean, on an individual thing, for example, if we wanted to look at um, coverage types, we could go through and see, like, what percentage of the time they were doing this compared to that and just pick, like, a player or the player's. But that would take a massive amount of time. So here's what here's what I'll say. I'll I'll kind of skirt around the um, the question to try to get to the answer. Like your math teacher would get mad at you because you didn't show your work. We know that the Packers hired Jeff Halfley. There is a rumor, which is a disputed rumor, that they also offered the job to or the Baltimore Ravens defensive coordinator. Now, whether they offered the job or not is somewhat irrelevant. It's they they at least interviewed them. Now, when you look at the differences between those two defenses, I think you realize that, uh, I mean, there, there might be some overlap there, and the overlap could be interesting to look into, although they also apparently uh, interviewed Staley. And when you look at the three of them, I doubt there are very many common threads. So I don't necessarily know that there was a schematic thing that they were after. Um, I don't know if Staley was maybe just checking a box, and then they were kind of looking for some other things. But I know, for example, that one of the things that was highlighted as comparable between Halfley and Orr is their ability to get the best out of their players. It's coaching up, and, and, and you know, I highlighted that as well. Look, look at the linebackers under Orr, and then look at the corners at Ohio State under Halfley, and then look at one of the biggest deficiencies that we've had in Green Bay. It's getting the best out of the players that you have. Just, just get them to 10, whatever their 10 is. Maybe they're not very good, but just get them all the way there. Get them all the way to mid, okay? And if I had to guess, that was, among a lot of other things, that was a major um, a major focus for the Packers. And I have to think the GM would appreciate that as well, because it's a matter of, look, I'm, I'm doing my freaking job, and I'm finding guys. We need coaches that can actually get these guys coached up and playing well. Draft and develop. 
right? There's two parts to that. There's draft, and then there's develop. It can't be draft. We kind of see flashes of how good they are, but we can't consistently get that on the field, and they're roaming around confused, and they don't know what they're doing, and they're making mistakes, and they're not learning, and da-da-da-da. No, they, they got a freaking... And, and, and again, there's a very clear difference between what's happening on offense and what's happening on defense, right? The offense is making Brian Gutekunst look like a genius. The defense is trying to make him look like an idiot, despite all the massive investment and the fact that we've seen unbelievable high highs from these defensive players. You're still looking at it going, why are they bad? I don't understand. Like, I know they can be good. Why are, why are they not good? Like, I know Kenny's good. Why is he not good? Jair is like really good, but he's playing like he's not super good. Savage seemed talented for like a, I mean, it was, it was a long time ago and nobody wants to remember it, but he seemed pretty good. And then he was like the worst ever. And Rashawn, all of a sudden, kind of not good, which maybe is the contract. I don't know, but something is wrong there. And like Kingsley and Igbari, like look kind of good for a while. Remember that? Especially considering his draft position, he was good, and then no, no, okay. And Stokes, I mean, he's hurt, but kind of seemed like kind of worried about that one now. And Preston, like he had some good stuff, but I don't know. And Quay was promising, but I, I kind of worry about that. Everybody is insistent that he took a big step forward, and I'm quite sure he took a step back from year one to year two, just less getting in trouble. And, you know, Devondre obviously was very good and suddenly has not been good for a couple of years. Maybe he's just old. I don't know. Even Rudy Ford is like showing some really impressive stuff, but then like he's not on the field. And I don't know why that what's happening here. And Keyshawn sometimes is good and sometimes kind of sucks. So I don't know. So I think that's just a big part of it, right? From a GM standpoint, look, if I suck, I suck. If I, if I miss, then fine. We'll, we'll get him out of there. But I don't want to have to start cutting guys that are going to go on to other teams and have success. Okay, we don't want to have more Micah Hydes who just aren't used, aren't used correctly. And then, yep, they kind of knew they were a stud the whole time, but we just couldn't freaking, okay, great, great. And I think he kind of has a mentality of, of, you know, cutting them loose. You know, teach them what to do, make it simple for them, and just cut them loose. So, fingers crossed that we get a little bit more of that. And, and then we can just have a little bit of closure, right? If some guys are really hitting their peak and they're hitting their stride and things are working and some guys just can't, they just can't do it, then at least we can feel somewhat comfortable that, okay, there's really no excuse here, right? The, the guys around you are developing. You're not. You know, you're falling off or you're doing this or that or whatever. I just, I don't know, man. It sounds like it's a you thing. But right now it's the entire defense, so it's hard to be like, yeah, it's all of you. All of you, turns out, are not good. Yep, so we have a terrible GM. Except for offense. Offense, it's like he can't miss. So it's just a really weird anomaly. No, it's freaking not. Hey, Ryan. How you doing? Pac-Man, Jersey Jim. What's up, Jersey Hope you Jim? had a nice time with the family on vacay. Yeah, it was good. Did a little ice fishing the whole night. Yeah, man. Got a fish and uh, I'm just sitting here with my kid watching this AFC championship game. And I uh, I wanted your honest opinion with this Chiefs team. It seems to me like uh, there's a lot of bias. I mean, I've, I've seen more unnecessary flags here in this game than the uh, United Nations themselves. If you know what I'm saying? There's a, a couple instances where it reminded me of like the tuck rule thing, which I know annoys everybody in the NFL. Just wanted your honest opinion on the subject because it's 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 kind of disturbing to see how how everybody just kind of goes to one side. It's Kansas City and Taylor Swift and Kelsey and all this nonsense. Uh, give me a holler back on the uh, podcast. Let me know what you think, buddy. Talk to you later. 
Um, I don't know. I don't even know how closely I was watching the game, to be honest. Um, I know he's babied, obviously. Um, you know, I mean, quarterbacks in general are babied, but if you're a superstar quarterback, you pretty much always are babied, I think is the way it goes. Um, I don't know that I've, I mean, as far as bias, like from the announcers and stuff, of course, and it's, it's freaking gag inducing. There's no doubt about it. It's, it's annoying to hear them. And I've, I've talked about this before too. It's not only is it annoying to hear them pick one team over another. Granted, I didn't mind it when John Mann was, was gushing over Favre. So I'm, I'm, I, I wouldn't blame Chiefs fans for enjoying it. But just from an outsider's perspective, from from one of 31 other fan bases that has to listen to this crap and not enjoy it, please stop gushing. It's freaking pathetic. Just try your best to be an impartial observer. And if you're gonna pick a side, can why don't we why don't you want to pick the underdog? They never pick the underdog. It's it's such a it's just such, such a stupid thing to gush over the same team that wins all the time. It's like, and it's, it's similar to what I said about the Taylor Swift thing. It's, it's the chiefs are a microcosm of like Taylor Swift and this, this pathetic gushing over like, Oh, they're so wonderful. Oh, Pat Mahomes. He can do anything. Travis Kelsey. Oh, he's a dream boat. And so, yeah, I mean, Taylor Swift just kind of adds to, she's just like the cherry on top of this whole image of just this golden boy thing it's it's like they are like the firstborn son there's 32 kids right back in some royal days where kings had a bunch of different kids with like 32 different women whatever and so we're all like half siblings but the king just loves this one right always talks about this one and da, 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 da. and on top of that they're gonna get the freaking crown so they already got it better than all of us they're gonna win the freaking super bowl and on top of that they got to be gushed over all day long and then sit here and talk about how they're underdogs and then they got, you know, the most beautiful woman in all the land is given to that son. And it's like freaking jag off over there. Then they talk about how beautiful Taylor Swift is, how beautiful the queen is. And it's like, bro, I, I just think it would be more enjoyable if if it was. I, I, I mean, listen, gushing over the golden boy is the worst of the options. Being completely impartial would be a solid option. I honestly think if you're going to lean in a direction, leaning toward the underdog would be kind of cool. I mean, I just think the NFL does itself a disservice, but, but at, at that same time, you know what? They're probably not. They're probably talking to all their marketing people and everything else. And it's like, well, this is what sells tickets. The guys, the, the, the superstars sell the tickets. So that's what we're going to lean on. And that's what we're going to gush over. And it's just like, yeah, but it just makes this whole sport freaking nauseating. I mean, think about it. Every time like the, the, the Jets play, well, obviously, if the Jets and Panthers or something play, it's like nobody gives a crap. But if it's like Panthers Chiefs, nobody really wants to watch that either. Why don't you try to like invigorate some rags to riches story into this thing? And instead, it's like, oh, it's like the prince died if something like that happened. Like, oh, that was some horrible anomaly. Oh, the refs were, they didn't do their job. And how could you let the Chiefs lose? Oh, oh. So again, first of all, it's just pathetic from a gushing standpoint. And I understand, like, respecting the amount of talent that a guy like Pat Mahomes has. I fully understand that. But you can use that to emphasize how much of a challenge it is for a team like the Panthers to overcome a team like the Chiefs. Or even, the, even when the Packers did it. What a story that is. This young, up-and-coming team, this guy who was compared to Pat Mahomes, 
who's taking a long, arduous road, the youngest team in football, going up against the king himself. Can he do it? Can't you know? And then, and then, just a roar of excitement when he overtakes the king. Like, what a great story that is. No, it's just ah, freaking. You're not supposed to win. The Chiefs are just supposed to win all the time. It's like, is this the story we want to run with? This is a boring story. Like, have you ever watched a movie ever in your life? So, you know that boxing story where, like, you got this boxer and he's the best in the world and he never loses a fight and then the story ends? I love that one. Like, no, that's never been a movie. That's not a movie. Nobody would pay to see that movie. That's why nobody made that movie, because that movie would suck. So why do you want that to be the movie? I don't know. It, it, it does add to their image, the whole Taylor Swift thing, as, like, the Golden Boys, which is fine. I'm going to be rooting for them to win the Super Bowl because screw the 49ers. But then starting next year, just like every year, I'm going to root for their demise. I mean, they literally are the Patriots, because every year I feel like this is their downfall. They kind of stumble out of the gate, and I'm like, ah, see, here we go. You're about to suck. And then they just pull it together, and then they figure out how to win in the playoffs, even if they're not necessarily the best team. And then they win the Super Bowl, and they hoist the trophy, and it's the same crap over and over again. Like, Patriots, they went through the same thing where they didn't have any receivers for a long time. Like, oh, what now what are you going to do? And it's like, well, win the Super Bowl. Like, freaking, of course you are. So it's just a matter of... Um, and it, it, it does make for good drama. Like, if, if the Packers go to the Super Bowl, they have to slay the Kings to do it. And sometimes they do lose. Sometimes the Patriots didn't win the Super Bowl. That's just like the boss at the end of the game. It's, can you beat the uh, the Chiefs? It sucks more for the AFC, to be honest, because they're going to the Super Bowl. It's just a matter of whether they're going to win it. Anyways, I don't even know if I'm answering your question anymore. Go off on my stupid tangents. But, yeah, it just I, I just get tired of it. You know, I mean, I... I obviously, I want... There, there's... I want parody in the NFL because it just gets boring after a while. Like I hated the Patriots with a freaking passion. Um, and I'm, I'm beginning to really hate the chiefs cause it's just the same freaking thing over. I don't mind if they're good, but you can't go to the super bowl every year, dude. But at the same time, obviously if it was the Packers, I would have a different standard. So I don't know. Just is what it is, I guess. Uh, let's take a break and we'll be right back. We all have smartphones and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones and to see what we find. Learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. 
Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What's going on? So I'm on a firefighter. How y'all doing? Good. Hopefully much better now. You know, after a week, letting it get used to it, everything. Um, I'm doing pretty much better. Um, I, the Ravens just lost. I was rooting for them, just like just like almost all of America. Yeah. Um, but I am excited only because now, hopefully, we should be able to hire one of them as our defensive coordinator. That's who I really want. They didn't play terrible on defense, you know, holding KC to 17. Uh, they gave up a big play, but, you know, they had to just do what they had to do. Um, overall, like I said, I, I just want somebody that's either uh, up and coming, kind of like a Matt LaFleur version on defense, like somebody like you don't quite know, but he got in a good system. Um, and like I said, the way you described everybody on the Ravens team, this might be an excellent choice. So that's what I'm hoping for. We get one of them. By the time we hear this, um, now I'm trying to figure out if I want the Lions of Fort Niners to win. I don't want either. And then I don't want the Chiefs to win again. So it's, it's, Sucks, it's, it's right? a conundrum of rooting for the Lions. Like I never thought in my life I would root for them. So it's, ugh, it just, I just feel bad. Um, anyway, whew, it's maybe hopefully by the time I talk about this, we can worry about it, but if it's, Kansas City versus uh, the 49ers. I, I guess I got a roof for Kansas City because I don't want 49ers on it. And if it's the Lions, that's when it, it's tough. I don't want the Lions to win. <laughs> yeah, right. I don't want Kansas City to win. So I, I don't know why that one. I, don't, I might just watch it and not root for anybody. Be the first Super Bowl tie or something. <laughs> I know they can't happen, but... Uh, either way, hope everything's doing good. Everybody, just a reminder, everybody don't forget about the, the groups, the, you know, the Discord and chatting yeah, on there sure. as well. Um, and hope everyone's doing good, having a good weekend. And can't wait to get some more contact. Keep doing your thing. Also, take a break. I know you're taking a break now. You deserve a break. You know, get yourself a couple of days. Maybe just do like a quick highlight. Little story of, of catching up and things of that nature. Anyway, no pad though. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, I, I just, first thing I did today was made myself a schedule. I have to start doing that because I always think I have a lot more time than I do. And I, I, even when I made the schedule, I was like, okay, do this. That'll take an hour. Do this. That'll take an hour. Do this. And then it's like, that's a lot of hours. Like, I don't have all those. And sure enough, like, I just put it in the robot and it's like, okay, you'll be done by midnight. Like, freaking, come on, man. So, you know, and then like, obviously if I don't have a schedule, I'm off wandering into la la land or whatever. So uh, bottom line, there was no podcast today for that reason. Like I, I, I always think I have all the time in the world. Like I'm doing draft stuff. I'm gathering notes. I'm trying to do this and that. And, um, last night, man, I was, I was just dying. I don't know why I was so unbelievably tired. My kids kept coming downstairs and they were like, I was on a roll. I was doing the podcast and then the kids come downstairs and it's like, I'm just going to pass out in this chair. And then it's hard to get like fired back up again. Um, they keep coming in, interrupting and everything. And, um, 
after like the third time, I was like, I, I just think my wife came down here. I said, I think I'm done. I can't, I need to go to bed. I'm just, I'm, I can't function. So time management will help me, but yeah, there, there, there might be some other days off, uh, if I feel a little burnout coming or whatever, but right now I, I, I honestly feel real good. Um, yeah, I think it's just, the problem is it's just too much and it gets to be a little bit overwhelming and I don't exactly know how to organize my time very well. I'm terrible with that. I need like a staff secretary <laughs> That's, that just sets a schedule and I was like, okay, time to go. And then for the podcast, like you get this much time, like you cannot sit here and do research for 400 hours. And plus I'm doing, the other thing that I do is I, I do everything at once. And so then I have so many different tabs and it's like, I want to close them because I'm just, cl- it's like, I, it's just ADD. My whole thing is ADD. And I can't close any tabs because I need that open for this other thing, but I'm not doing that at the moment. And I just get stuck and I just sit here for a long time, not doing anything. So it's like, nope, you're doing that. Close every tab except Packnet After Dark, which really is just Google Voice. And that's basically it. And you get this much time and then you're done. So I'm starting that today, although I'm going to have to adjust it as time goes on. But I just, I need to do better with that. That'll help me kind of get more things done and have probably less overall work, less stress, less whatever. But yeah, it, it may come to that. Usually, usually the I need a break thing happens around like the super dead period. I don't know when, is that like July maybe? It also seems like there's a lot of stuff going on. Right? Like, the, the, you know, you're gonna have the election thing going on and things are gonna get real toxic. I know things like got toxic during COVID the one year and like it just, things just get bad around that time and then there's no football and I don't know what it is. Like every time around that that time, I was like, I just need, I need a break. I need to step away. I don't know if I did last year, but pretty much every year before that, there's just something comes up. It's like, I gotta, I gotta go. I need some time, but I'm good right now, man. I'm fired up. I just got to manage my time better. That's all. But I appreciate the call. And um, I'll also try to remember to put some more links in the description. Um, so people know where to join the discord and Patreon and uh, Facebook group, Twitter, all that stuff. Make sure that those links are all there. We'll see if I can remember or not. Hey, Ryan, how you doing? Uh, Pac-Man Jersey, Jim. We should. Uh, got another question for you after that, uh, that Chiefs game. You know, it's all about the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. I have a 16-year-old son here uh, who will probably be a future call-in. Let's say his name is Pac-Frick. Uh, okay. With a legitimate question that I cannot answer, my friend. Maybe you can help him because he listens to the show. He's like, all right, Dad, who do we root for now? And we have, still in contention, the Detroit Lions, the San Francisco 49ers, and the Chiefs. As a Packer fan for 30-some-odd years, I cannot answer this question. (laughs) I don't know what to tell them. The best-case scenario that I can make in my head is... A meteor. Let's go 49ers, and I know that sucks coming from a Packers fan because it hurts. It really does. I hate these guys probably more than than the Cowboys when I did when I was a little kid. And they have enough Super Bowls. But looking at the past record, you can't have the Chiefs winning again. They were, like I said before, a very pampered, football team, very much like the New England Patriots with the tough rule and all that jazz. Um, the only the only thing I can say to him was, you know what, if, if the 
if the 49ers can beat the Lions, give them a, you know, what whooping. That would make us look more relevant and get us more respect. I don't know. We're we're in a conundrum here as Packer fans. I mean, it's it's it's, it's a really rough thing. I I I don't know what to tell the kid. Maybe you can give him some insight on the podcast. Let me know your thoughts. Go pack, go. I'll talk to you guys soon. Yeah, and so I I I've kind of already given my thoughts on it, but my whole thing is it's just a matter of diminishing value. Um. If you've already accomplished it, the more you accomplish it, the less it's worth. Uh, it's kind of like money. The more you have, the less it's worth. I can prove it. My son doesn't have any money. You give him $10, change his life. You give me $10, I'm like, dope. You give a billionaire $10, he it's not worth him reaching out his hand to grab it. So I don't want the Chiefs to win. But the difference between the Chiefs' legacy and... And, and what they've accomplished, if they win this or don't win this, is negligible. The difference for the San Francisco 49ers is massive because they've been here before. So getting here is, I don't want to say it's worthless because it isn't, but it almost is because the whole point with the 49ers is they can get here, but they can't get over the hump. And they've never done it. And you got Shanahan, who's considered the greatest coach in the history of the U. It's like, dude doesn't have a Super Bowl. All right. So getting there means very little. They have to win it. And I don't want them to. I don't want them to get over the hump. I don't want them to achieve some massive, amazing new thing where, where now they are on the same level as, as you know, well, a lot of other teams. And then if they get back to the Super Bowl and, you know, if they get a second one, now they're in a whole other stratosphere. I don't want that. And then for the Lions, you know, getting to the Super Bowl would be a massive thing, much less winning it. So I think as unfortunate as it is, at your point in time, after we realized that the Chiefs had won, I think the best possible scenario is the 49ers beat the Lions and the Chiefs beat the 49ers. Because we need to stop the bleeding with the Lions. 49ers getting back to the Super Bowl and losing is, again, it's, it's not a bad season for them, obviously. But they're still the same team. They have not progressed. And the, again, the unfortunate thing for the Chiefs is they get another Super Bowl, but whatever. It's just another freaking one that they tag onto their legacy. We hit reset and just hope next year somebody can take it from them and we can just have a better scenario. And this, if there's any reason to be mad at the Packers, it's because they allowed this bull crap to happen to where I now have to root for the Chiefs in the Super Bowl and every other NFC North team, by the way. Philadelphia, way to freaking just ruin everything. I would have been happy to root for you freaking morons. I was not about to say anything else. Shut up. Even Tampa. Like, I don't like you, but you're not the Tom Brady Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I can deal with it. Baker, heck, go get one, son. Root for Baker in the Super Bowl? Heck yeah, why not? NFC has failed us all, and the AFC is a massive fail. Like, literally anybody else. Baltimore, you bunch of losers. The entire world was ready to root for you to win a Super Bowl. You suck. But, um, yeah, I, I, seriously, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to... I mean, I, I probably will have the Super Bowl on, but I just I, I have no interest. I just don't care. I really don't. Like, I just... I hope the Chiefs win, but I don't want to watch them win. It's going to make me sick. I don't really have any interest in this halftime show. Not that I ever really have. I don't even know who's doing it. Um, I saw Reba's doing the the anthem or something. Um, but I, I, I don't know what, who the halftime performers are or performer is. I don't really care about the commercials anymore. I feel like that's kind of not been a super funny thing for a long time. Plus, the commercials get leaked like the week before anyways. Like you can find them on YouTube. So it's like, okay, cool. 
Like, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, the, the only thing that I think is, uh, and maybe they'll start moving in this direction, is like unveiling new things. Maybe they should start going in that direction is, is releasing new products, introducing new stuff, because that would be, I, I just, plus like, I don't know. I mean, you think about like the Super Bowl commercials back in the day, they were funny, but it's because commercials just weren't that way before. Commercials were very boring and static. And so you had like Budweiser frogs talking and it's like, this is the funniest thing in the world. It's hilarious. Like funny commercials? Who'd have thought? Now it's like kind of normal. Plus there's so much funny content out there. You got TikTok and YouTube and Facebook and everything else where you're just flooded with things. I mean, you go on social media and I just flip through and there's hilarious videos every two seconds. You can't compete with that and, and nobody cares. So some marketing experts trying to come up with how to make people giggle about Doritos, like freaking, it just feels forced and corporate and stuffy and stupid. Some rich people in suits hiring comedians to come in and try to write things. Like, I don't, just whatever, man. I don't know. I don't know. All I know is I need this podcast to do really well because the day that the Packers go to the Super Bowl, I have to be there. And we need to be making enough money that I can justify the ridiculous cost. And we're not even close. <laughs> but yeah, I just, I just can't wait for it to be over, man. I just, I'm because I want to focus on the off season, and I want everybody there, and I want all the resources there. You know, I'm, I'm already there. A lot of people are already there, but the NFL is refusing to turn its attention, aside from like the draft specific people. But um, all the focus is on the NFL. Once the once once the Super Bowl is done then everybody turns their full force toward the draft. And that's what I'm ready for. Hey, Ryan, it's Jersey Mike. Hey. I'm uh, on my way home from work right now. And uh, I've, I've, been, I've been looking at some things, you know, some mock dressy duty dudes. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm, I'm trying to figure out, you know, what are we doing? And so I'm doing the PFF mock draft because that is, quite frankly, the best mock draft thing, whatever. Okay. And uh, I, I found that I get better, I don't know. Last year it seemed like when I put the random selection slide all the way up and the draft for need and draft for position or uh, weight of position, whatever, lower, it seemed like the draft board kind of lined up better with what – the uh, the board actually ended up being come draft day. Makes sense. So anyway, trying to get to the root of it, I uh, I made a, a little draft here. It's actually funny that you say that because I think that's reality. Um, I think fans always draft for need, and that's why everybody's going to hate mock drafts that aren't just drafting for need. Everybody just wants you to draft for need all the time. Um, but in reality, that's not what teams do. They draft closer to what the board looks like, and um. So, again, if you just kind of draft based on the board more so than like every team just grabbing their needs, you'll probably end up with a more realistic draft. But everyone's going to hate it. So, up to you. There's some names that I haven't thought about up until now, and I want, I want to get your take on them. Okay. First, uh, I picked 25. I had us picking Chris Braswell, a defender out of Alabama. Okay. I've seen some things I like from him. Seems to be pretty good at run defense. Maybe a replacement for Preston slash Enigbari in the future. Then the second pick at 41 was Jermaine Burton, a wide receiver out of Bama. Uh, Burton, I, I don't know how. He looks like an Amon Ra St. Brown, kind of like hybrid. 
um, I don't know, hybrid of what other than Amon Ross St. Brown, but he looks like Amon Ross St. Brown. So hey, that's, that's, that's a number one type guy. So I like it. Uh, also, his depth of target is ridiculous. Uh, at, at, uh, third pick at 57 is Devondre Sweat. Okay, nice run stuffer, maybe Slayton out, uh, or maybe get Slayton off the team. Who the heck knows? But but then that came to pick 88. And here's a guy who you could say could go at 88, but he could also go at 25, depending on how he's valued. And and I just started watching tape of him, and I was like, geez, if this ain't the guy, I don't know who is. So at pick 88, I have us picking linebacker Peyton Wilson at a North Carolina State. This man is the oddest of odds. He's, I think, six foot three, two hundred and forty something pounds, and six foot four, two hundred and forty something pounds. So he's the size of Quay. But he runs a sub four five forty. And that man hunts down mobile quarterbacks like it ain't nothing. I mean, I've never seen a white tall linebacker that is that fast. So uh can we can we get our Luke Musgrave on defense? Just the tall, big white dude who just I don't know why. Anyway. Uh, how much we, you got a full three minutes after this. So of the guys you've got, um, it's interesting because you mentioned the, uh, Jermaine Burton and I'm like, I don't remember Jermaine Burton, the wide receiver out of Alabama. And I went and looked at my list of guys that I looked at and he wasn't on here, which means he wasn't even in the top 100. And right now he's sitting at, uh, somewhere in the, he's at 68. It looks like. And sure enough, if you look at it, I mean, he was he was down in the 300s back in, um, was that, October. And then he kind of jumped on the scene a little bit in, uh, like, well, still late October, 1026, he jumped into the 200s. He took another jump about November 19th, another jump December 5th, another jump uh, on Christmas, and then his final jump kind of came like January 6th. He's had a slight trend downward, but um, he was up to 47 at one point. So Jermaine Burton has been flying up the board. Um, You know, I'm going to have to do a second pass through for wide receivers. I'm going to have to do a second pass through for running backs. Uh, I got to get through all the other positions first. I I keep saying that and not doing it because I'm focused on other stuff. I think today I'm going to look at corners for sure. As my my, uh, small allotted time slot will permit according to my um my little schedule thing here but i mean aside from you know going through and watching each of these guys i did watch a highlight of jermaine burton um i see what you're saying as far as his amon rawness certainly an exciting guy we already talked about tavandre sweat i like him i think i think most people kind of like the concept of having a guy like that although i completely understand why the nfl is getting away from it but it's just it's just cool to have a a, a big space and we've seen teams with a lot of success with that you look at a guy like Pierce oh what the heck is his name something Pierce Baltimore for many years I think he went to Detroit, uh, Minnesota but just a massive freaking guy that just does wonders for your defense you know lets everybody else just hunt and he just is unmoved completely unmovable Peyton Wilson again just a real quick highlight video thing I I, I see him he reminds me a lot of like what you'd see at Wisconsin I think my only concern is if he's a little bit of a, a smaller tweener type because he, he just he does everything and that's fantastic for what he is there but I mean he's playing off the edge he's playing inside he's doing a ton of blitzing he doesn't seem massively physical 
Like he doesn't he doesn't just light people up. Like it it he's he's working hard to get people to the ground. I don't know. Could he be like a McDuffie type? Maybe kind of a, just a, a small high motor guy. I think that's kind of how I'm seeing him a little bit on the positive side. Would be a McDuffie. I mean, he's listed at 238, which is you know 10 pounds above McDuffie. Not really a small guy, but I don't know. Just to me, it looks like he kind of plays like he is, I guess. And then, yeah, Braswell looks pretty solid. Again, didn't spend a ton of time just kind of trying to get a general feel for his style. The, the only thing that's kind of funny now is I, I wonder if he would have almost been better with Barry than he will be with uh, Halfley. Again, I don't exactly know what Halfley's looking for um, in these guys off the edge. But, I mean, the Packers for a while have kind of prioritized sort of the bigger edges anyways, which Braswell is not. And now that we're going with like the uh, 4-3 defensive ends, it's kind of even harder to imagine like a 255-pound guy doing that. So, I mean, that is that is the good thing about the outside linebackers that we got, is we didn't go out and get some 240- and 50-pound guys. We got largely 260, 78, you know, 80-ish pound guys. I think Rashawn's like 275 or something. He's a big boy. So these are guys that you can kind of put in those roles. But I just, I think that... Um, I think he might be a little undersized. I don't know, you know, typically if there are 255-pound defensive. I mean, there probably are, right? There's got to be somebody, but it just feels less likely to me, I think, which is weird because usually I'm looking at these defensive ends going, man, I like him. I just, I don't know if the guy can stand up. Like, I, it's so hard to judge. And then you get the one of the few teams that actually does stand guys up in Alabama, and it's like, yeah, I just, I don't know if it's going to work anymore. But anyways, why don't we take our final break? I think I did all your guys, and uh, we'll come back and hear from Garrett. Hey, Pack Daddy, or should we start calling you Puke Daddy? Sorry to hear your vacation kind of got sidelined by the flu. I get it. Hope everybody is recovered. uh, Just calling in with some perspective now that we know who is going to the Super Bowl. Um, you know, after Green Bay had upset Kansas City, um, it kind of caused us to pause to think, okay, is this Kansas City team kind of on the downside of things? I mean, Kelsey's getting up there and everything. Uh, Mahomes not quite looking like he used to and wide receivers dropping passes. And lo and behold, you have a team that made it to the Super Bowl. And they just found a way to do it. Yep. Well, I think Love and this Packers team has that capability of maybe not looking like the best team, but still finding a way to get all the way there. Sure. They have that kind of capabilities, I think. So the next few years, even ups and downs, I don't think we can count this team out at the end because they have proven, even being the youngest team, that they were just a couple of plays away from making it to the NFC Championship. Right. So, yeah, anything can happen. Anything can set a team back. But I think this free agency this year and this draft could be what puts them over the top of being that next Kansas City team. Yeah. Because I think this team has way more talent than Kansas City does. And if Love continues to be that playmaker – and doesn't turn the ball over. Uh, he could be that kind of Mahomes-esque type quarterback that just wins you ball games when you don't think they could. So I think the future is bright. And I believe that if they go draft heavy on defense this year, 
I actually won't blame them because there are some serious holes to fill at safety and even potentially a linebacker uh, considering Campbell's drop-off. And even potentially another uh, defensive end, you know, outside linebacker type player to rush the passer. I think that we could use that. So um, at any point now, you know, I think Preston could drop off also. So I think there's some definite holes to fill on defense that we need, and um, this team could be potentially very dangerous come every postseason like Kansas City is. Ms. Garrett, I'm out. Well, yeah, I mean, the fact that they're already almost there is crazy. Um, they they obviously need to prove that that wasn't a fluke. That's who they are, and they will get better. And 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 for me, honestly, the offense needs to just be who they were at the end. Now, obviously, you would hope that somebody would take a step, and that you know Gutekunst can find at least one upgrade somewhere through the draft or whatever. But at least maintain, and then we need the defense to be that defense, and we're there. But there's still a question of you know you look at you're not wrong and I just said it about the Chiefs like they just they just keep making it no matter what because I think there's something to postseason football beyond just being you know the the, the rostering the most talent um, and I think the um, whatever that characteristic is the Packers need to find that and I'm I'm glad that I mean I I guess you could say it was a it was kind of a borderline collapse. I was going to say it wasn't a collapse because we should have won that game, but it was. They just collapsed harder than we did, or we collapsed harder than they did, but we, we both sucked. But that's, that, that to me is, is also, so the number one most important thing is that we learned that it wasn't a fluke, specifically Jordan Love. If that happens, we're going to be okay, at least to some degree. The second most important thing for me is, I mean, you know, the, the, the GM needs to keep doing his thing or whatever, but just from a, from a team quality standpoint, we need the defense to to actually step up because if it turns out this Halfley guy is no better than Barry or Petten or anybody else and we get the same bull crap, then it's just, you know, doing the same thing, getting what we always got. But then beyond that, we have to, once that's all in place, we have to be a team that finds that quality that is just, it's, it's, it's consistency. It's consistency when it matters most. It's, it's not collapsing in the postseason, right? You have to be consistently, and it's it's hard to do. I'm not going to pretend it's just a, a Packers thing because we're watching teams all over the place do it. It's, it's a matter of, okay, you got, what, four games to play or however many. Can you be at your best for four straight games? Because if you can, you can beat everybody. That's not debatable, and you probably will because there's a good chance some of these teams are not going to give you their best. Be at your best for four games. That's hard to do even in the regular season, trying to find a four-game stretch where they're just dominant for any team, and that's why... Part of the reason why the postseason is as difficult as it is. Which team can be at their best? And that's what the Chiefs and Patriots did for so long, is find a way to be at your best in the postseason consistently every single game. Because if you can do that, there's a good chance you're going to be hoisting the trophy. So those are the things. Show me that the offense wasn't a fluke and that Jordan Love really is that dude. Give me the defense and then find a way to bring it in the postseason. And if you can do that, yeah, dynasty's on the table. You figure out that formula, it's, it's, there's, there's no reason why there won't be multiple Super Bowls. Just because it's such an unbelievably difficult thing to ask anybody to do. But we got to see. And again, that, that last part is the hardest part. Because that's what most teams cannot do. Um, but they are good enough. 
And even if they can't be ultra consistent and be a dynasty or whatever, um, you know, if they can just show me the first two things, they're going to win a Super Bowl probably relatively soon. If they can maintain, you know, if you can maintain a, a top 10, top five, you know, top five offense and defense, you know, it's, you're, you're probably the best team in football. And at that point, it's just a matter of when, not if. But one step at a time. First things first, just do what you did last year on offense. That's it. I'm not talking the first half. I'm talking the second half. Show me that Jordan really is that dude from week one through the end of the season. I'm not saying no bad games. Just I don't want to start off next year and be like, well, I guess that stretch in the second half was kind of fluky. And, you know, that was just like a thing we're never going to see again. If if we, you can show me that, then I'm I'm fine for everything else. I'll live with whatever else comes. Hey Ryan, Trucker Bob here. Hey, let's say we finally got ourselves a defensive coordinator. Yeah. Also, I'm happy to see that we will be switching. It looks like to the That's four right. three defense. You got your wish. Like a lot better than the three four. He's going to be much more aggressive. Plays more man to man. Likes the blitz and likes having his backs play much tighter than we did under the previous regimes. So I don't know if this guy will be a success or not, but I'm very happy that we've decided to take a total different direction with our defense, and I'm happy with that, and I do hope it turns out. Anyways, that was my comments on our new hire. Other than that, I know very little about him other than uh, what he did at Ohio State. Uh, my second thought is I thought I'd change subjects here. Uh, my wife and I were invited by our daughter uh, to go to this restaurant in Dallas. goes all the way to the top of a tower. Hmm. And uh, when we got up there, it was interesting seeing all of Dallas from the top of the tower. It was a great view from up there. Had a decent meal. Um, and when it was done, they had this very, very unusual dessert. What they did is they had these... Uh, uh, small round cream puffs filled with uh, the pudding cream. And they're a very light, fluffy donut with the pudding cream inside. But they did something completely different with it. What they did is they melted sugar and coated these little uh, round donuts with this uh, sugar, clear sh- sugar coating. So when they cooled, it was like ha- hanging on to a, a little rock. And when you bit into it, it crunched and crinkled and, you know, it's like biting into a piece of glass. But <laughs> dang, great. things were good. <laughs> I mean, you talk about delicious. That was fantastic. And then how they served it, they put it on this big platter and they covered it with about a foot high of pink cotton candy. Wow. So you had to wade your way through the pink cotton candy to find these little donuts <laughs> with the crunchy, clear sugar coating on the outside. I had never had anything like that, but I figured that uh, was something you'd like to try sometime. To take a, yeah, a small cream-filled donut and dip Aside it in a melted sugar and let it cool and have it be nice and crunchy and clear. Anyways, glad for the new hire. Chuck Bob out. You know what that almost sounds like is a uh, reconstructed or a differently conceived creme brulee. You know, because you think of creme brulee, it's it's the cream, which is on the inside of the puff. And then on top of that is melted sugar, which is like a rock-like consistency. 
they just kind of did it a little bit differently with like the pastry with the cream on the inside and then the, the stuff on the outside. It's kind of interesting. But yeah, it sounds good. Sounds relatively easy to make, I suppose, or at least to, to kind of experiment with. I'm sure there's a lot of different stuff you can do with that. There's different ways that you can, you know, different uh, fillings, different kind of pastries, different toppings, perhaps. I don't know. But yeah, I, I, I did think of you, Trucker Bob, right away. As soon as I saw this guy ran a 4-3, I'm going to think, man, Trucker Bob is going to be over the moon excited about this guy. He's been asking for 4-3 for a while now. So um, I know he checked all your boxes, and I hope it pans out. That's for sure. I'm excited to learn a little bit more about it. Like I said, we've been running 3-4 for so long. Um, there's just some fundamental stuff that I don't know about uh, any of this because it's so contrary to really anything we've done for a very long time. So I'm kind of just excited to to learn about it. I know uh, Clayton today did a, I haven't watched it yet, but he talked to a coach who kind of broke down Halfley's defense. So I'm kind of excited to go back and watch that, but it's not on my timeline. So I got to figure out how to squeeze that in. Hey, Ryan, Steve up in Alaska. How's it going, Steve, buddy? how you doing? Uh, just hanging out and run up heating, get a couple things. So before I drive back down that way, I was listening to your podcast and way up and wanted to make comment on some things that, um, I was listening to the other guys and, uh, they were talking about one of the other shows that you got there. They were, uh, talking about, uh, what we're going to be doing or have available in terms of cat space. Sure. And, uh, listening to what they were discussing, they're, they're figuring, you know, we could have, you know, 50 to $60 million available to us once, you know, you know, a few guys get cut, we restructure some contracts, do all the, Finagling with the books that gets done at the end of every season to make money show up and appear for use. Um, and when you think about the fact that we have basically a, a, you know, an entire rookie class building, building and constructing our, our, our offense, we have, you know, very few people that we have to pay for it. Most of them that we do have are guys that are going to be on the contract of rookie contracts for another two or three years. You know, this would be, a great year to take some of that money and and go out and get ourselves, you know, a couple of a couple of key players, you know. Um I know the I know the ringers is what I would be thinking of. You know, we go out and find a guy, you know, you were saying it on your podcast for uh um I don't know what they say, it would have been the Thursday show that you put out, um, about the fact that, you know, you're not big on and I'm not either myself. Speak on going out and spending big money on a long contract, long scale contract for an older player. Yeah. You know, the Ron Miller thing that Buffalo did, giving him what? They gave him like three, four years with all kinds of money and the guy's been hurt and he's been nothing for him. Um, I don't want to see that for us, but going out and spending some money on a, on a guy that needs to have a prove it deal so he can go out and prove it and get himself one last big contract. If we can go out and find a couple of those to kind of round things out to give us a veteran presence to go along with all this incredibly young core talent that we have, I think that would just be amazing. And, you know, with, you know, 50, 60 million dollars to spend, I mean, we could, we could really line out ourselves, a, you know, a bunch of those kind of guys, you know, um, so I'm all for it. I'm, I, I want to see what we're going to do this year because it'd be really interesting. I mean, we got all these draft picks. We're, we're still going to be able to build some guys up. Um, I don't mind. Letting us sit somebody on the bench for a little bit. We've done it and proven it works with quarterbacks. Uh, it worked with LaShawn Gary. So I'm about out of time here. So I'm going to get off here and drive myself back home. But y'all take it easy. Go pack. Let's see how the talk season goes. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, there's a difference between sitting somebody because they're not ready and, and benching them because we just don't have enough space for you. Um, I think we got young guys that need to be developed, and if they're ready, then they need to be out there. Um, I think draft and develop takes precedent over go find some guy and play him because we paid him money and I don't want to look stupid, so don't put him on the bench. So it just depends. I mean, I, I doubt, for example, there's going to be a wide receiver that makes sense. There's only a handful of wide receivers in the entire NFL that I think would be necessary to be like that truly elite number one guy. Um, and I don't think any of them are going to become available, right? Maybe like Devontae, but he would go to the Jets before he'd come back to Green Bay, if I had to guess. I don't know why he would do that, but I just have a feeling that's what he would prefer to do. And, and you know, would the Packers even pay the guy? I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, also, just on the whole bottom line, um, I, I haven't done like a completely, th- I've done kind of like a skimming. And... Um, I I have us closer to like 20 million, maybe like max 50 if you just do absolutely everything. But they're not going to do that, including like just pushing all the money out or whatever. I I, I don't I don't know. I have I've never seen 50. Um but again, I've never really pushed it to the max to see how far you can get. But then you look at it, I mean, cuz 20 is kind of what I feel like Ted Thompson had every year. It was 20 million and then you'd kind of whittle it down. You got to pay X amount to your draft picks, you got to pay this to your to bring back some of your free agents, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And so I I kind of figure we we have a little bit of wiggle room. I don't think we're flush with cash at all. Again, I could be wrong. I could be completely missing something, but we'll see. We'll see when it's all said and done and the dust settles how much extra cash we actually have to spend on players. And and again, remember you want to have like a $10 million cushion. So if you're sitting with, let's call it 30 million, you drop it to 20 because you want to have a cushion. You re-sign your free agents and and you, you pay for your draft picks. I mean, what, what are we dealing with left? There's not a ton. I don't know. It'll be something to definitely to revisit as we get a little bit closer, get some closure on what we're going to be actually doing with these guys and and how they decide because each individual decision has major implications and you multiply that across how many decisions need to be made and there's a lot you know i mean now there's been a resurgence of people saying david bakhtiari is coming back or if he's healthy he's definitely coming back and i i just i don't know that that's a reality i think there's there's an overplaying of the hand of people who are just angry at him or whatever which obviously is stupid but again you look at it from a standpoint of the packers general strategy is to first of all they they want to clean up the cap and his cap hit is a disaster. And restructuring it doesn't do much other than f- give him more guarantees that he will be here, not just this year, but probably next year and, and beyond. And with his injury history, even if you think he's going to be okay, what certainty do you have that it's going to be able to hold up? Because you thought he's going to be okay for a long time. And then for how many years is, gonna be, is he going to be able to hold up, if at all? So it's a question of what do the Packers usually do? They get out a year early rather than a year too late. Even if you think he can still play at a high level, which... Maybe he can. Some of these guys play at a, at a top-tier level until 37, 38. Maybe Bakhtiari is one of those guys. I don't know. And I'm not going to pretend he's not an elite player because he has been. Every time he gets on the field, he's, he's unbelievably good. But I just I don't think that's the entire question. Has he been good in the past? And will a doctor say that, yes, he's fine right now? Because there's still a lot of questions. And for a team that's trying to clean up the cap, a team that's trying to get younger, a team that has tackles, and I'm, I'm, I've said it before, I'm absolutely in no way comparing any tackles we have to Bakhtiari because nobody on this team is even close to what Bakhtiari is, or I should say was, has been. But again, there is a big resurgence that he will be back, and that's certainly possible. If he's healthy, I know the Packers 
love to have him. He's incredibly valuable if they if they genuinely believe like he's the guy and we think he can play for a while and Bakhtiari's all in. He's like, heck yeah, I want to keep playing. And they can do some massive restructuring of this contract, borderline like Aaron Jones pay cut type stuff. It's possible. But again, that's one decision tree, right? And then there's restructuring these people, those people, what free agency you're bringing back, at what price, other people that could potentially be casualties. But anyways, um, I'm going to go ahead and leave it at that. So you all have a good rest of your day. I appreciate all of the calls. We are starting to get caught up. Very happy that it looks like we're basically caught up as far as the, the actual news goes. I think everybody's on the same page. Um, actually, that was all the way through Wednesday. So we got Thursday, Friday, and a couple Jersey Mike Saturday calls. So we're getting caught up. So if you've been kind of holding off so that I can get caught up, I think you can jump back on the train if you're interested. Love to hear your thoughts on the DC hire and questions, comments, concerns, etc. But with that, you guys have a good rest of your day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.